definitely human. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It is the spring of 1929, and at the furthest reaches of the world, five breathless travelers find themselves sprawled on the floor of an Antarctic meteorological station, having vowed to locate and destroy the powerful cult of an ancient and terrible evil. Already, they have encountered enemies, sustained injuries, and gained dread. But nothing will quell their obsession with Angela Gresley or their determination to penetrate the darkest depths of the infinite bad. The Doom of Antarctica, Part 3 The meteorological station of Little Holkirk is no more than a small, cluttered cabin. There seem to be three rooms, the largest of which is the central room, furnished simply with a gas stove, a woven mat, and two chairs arranged close to the stove. Three more chairs have been shoved into a corner, giving the room a little more space. Various maps traced with patterns of isobars and elevations paper about half the floor space, as does tobacco, ash, and scraps of what looks like dried food. Two whiskey tumblers are stacked under one of the chairs, along with a third of a bottle of whitehead scotch. To the left, there is what looks like a bedroom, with two bunk beds arranged side by side, and a massive profusion of clothes and furs occupying most of the space. The smell of sweat emanates from it. To the right, there is a closed door, although a thin seam of light shines from the bottom edge. The residents of this station are two men, shabby in appearance and frantic in action. They have pulled open the front door, flooding the centre of the room with twilight and snow, illuminating Dorothy Taylor, who is falling, her foot connecting awkwardly with the walking stick of Cornelia Cavendish, who is attempting to push aside the hulking figure of Sebastian St. Battenberg, as he shields his eyes from Joy Dutton Cavendish's flailing arms and sharp fingernails, while tripping over 
over the cowering frame of Jean-Selim Abdelaziz. The door slams shut, and our heroes fall to the ground in a heap. Their rescuers turn and immediately begin to shout. No time to rest! We have to barricade this cabin against the storm! This is as bad as we've seen it! We need to put planks over the doors and windows, make sure everything is sealed up tight! Are you able to help? Yes, never better. Yes, of course, certainly. Dorothy, make a medicine check at advantage. 16. Okay, so you can tell that if you um, are able to get five minutes to go around to each of your party members to help them warm up, that you'll be able to get rid of their exhaustion levels, basically. Okay. Gentlemen, we've had a very difficult journey getting here, and I'm afraid that I'm going to need just a few minutes to check on everyone first. I I fear there may be some injuries that need urgent and immediate attention. Injuries? Uh, Who's... One of the the men with uh, dark brown hair but clear blue eyes steps forward and says, Is one of you ladies hurt? No. (laughs) But I am. (laughs) (laughs) What's happened to the man? He's been shot. What? Who's shot him? I don't know, but yes, have been shot. A little bit. Just a little. Just here. I show him how I've been shot. (laughs) See? It's just a little... It hurts, though. (laughs) (laughs) They look at each other and then look back at you, Sebastian, and say, Are you you folks in some sort of trouble? Are you criminals or... Who are you? Certainly not criminals. It doesn't matter. We'll we'll sort this out. We need to barricade the cabin immediately. Uh, What is your name, madam? And he looks at you. Dr. Dorothy Taylor. Doctor. Ah, excellent. Well, yes, attend to your friends uh, and, 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 and then help us. Uh, and they immediately start picking up planks and nailing them over the windows uh, and hustling to kind of tidy things as much as they can and basically get the the cabin more secured than it is. Uh, Dorothy, you're able to go around. You don't need to make a medicine check for this. It's fairly straightforward. It's warm inside the cabin. So you're able to just gently minister to everyone so all of you can get rid of your exhaustion levels if you have them. You can also make another medicine check to see if there's any further care that you can provide to Sebastian's gunshot wound. Well, I should certainly be cleaning it, I yes. would think, yeah. 13. Yeah. So, Sebastian, you regain another hit point uh, as Dorothy carefully removes the coverings to your wound and cleans it and then reapplies them with fresh wrappings. Do I need to do anything to John Salim? Uh, <laughs> Jean Salim, is he still restrained? I think we've let him go. He didn't seem okay. violent. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't seem violent. I don't think he has reason to... I mean, I, I, maybe I should be doing some sort of assessment of his state. Make a medicine check. 20. Wow, okay. Um, he isn't quite catatonic, but he's like halfway there. He's not going to be violent. He's not going to probably try to run away. Um, but he's not going to be that helpful, is okay. your assessment of him. I'm starting to think we shouldn't have brought him. He's not doing well, poor man. He just um, needs a time out. He'll be fine. Right. Well, we should maybe assist with getting the boards nailed up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You can all start setting about helping the two men. Uh, you help nail over the windows with some planks. You help stuffing some blankets underneath the seams of doorways to make sure that uh, drafts and wind can't get in too much. Uh, make insight checks, everyone, though. 14. 4. 16. 10. Uh, Sebastian, you notice that it, the way that these two men seem to be barricading the cabin, 
it seems to be a little bit too much for just inclement weather. The cabin is built quite uh, sturdily to resist weather to begin with. And the fact that they seem to be especially intent on making sure that the window is secured with planks, it seems like they're worried about something beyond just weather getting into the cabin. That's your suspicion. It reminds you of the kind of barricading you might have done in a house during the war. Right. You know, rather than securing a a hut against a storm. What sort of bad weather you're expecting here, chaps? You address, again, the the same dark-haired but clear-eyed man who turns around to you and he says, well, we don't want any of the the windows breaking. We don't want any of the doors flapping off their hinges. You know, we need to make sure that this this hut is the only shelter here for, for quite a ways around. So we need to make sure we can survive here. What? Why? Seems a little extreme. Are you worried the weather is going to open the door? Open the windows? The man looks over at his companion and they look back at you and they say, No? Have, why? Have you seen someone out there? Well, is someone after you? I have been shot, sir. Who, who shot you? Well, you still haven't answered that. Yes, I still don't know that. Do you know? No. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Can I roll to to look him deep in his eyes? Yes. Fix him with a stare. Yes. Ten. Uh, you stare him in the eyes and he stares back and he says, No. No, I don't know who shot you, sir. Mr. Sebastian St. Battenberg, charmed, I'm sure. And I hold out my hand. <laughs> he holds out his hand to yours while not breaking eye contact with you. I'd like to make a strength check, please. Six. <laughs> Still better than his. <laughs> <laughs> um, you kind of fumble with each other because you're staring each other in the eye, so you don't quite like get the, the grip right on your handshake at first, since you're squeezing the edges of his fingers and then you adjust and it's a little bit awkward. But yeah, in the end you manage to get a firm handshake and you you really pump his hand and squeeze it and he grimaces slightly under I the I laugh and clap him on the shoulder and then I wince in pain and then I say, and what is your name, sir? And your friend here? Uh, my name is John Linton and this is Stuart McIlness. And he points to his colleague who has lighter curly brown hair and dark brown eyes. As you are finishing barricading the cabin, Dorothy, Joy and Cornelia make perception checks. Twelve. Seven. Thirteen. Cornelia, you notice as you're looking out the window, just as you're nailing in one of the planks, that outside of this small cabin complex, there is also another shed very nearby uh, that seems very low to the ground, almost too low for a human to stand up in. But it's just there, like, set off maybe 20 feet away from this cabin. Mm. Mr. Linton, I notice you have another shed. Ah, yes. That'll be for the dogs. Dogs! Oh, dogs! I love dogs! Oh, good show! Oh, oh you'll be you'll be disappointed there. There are no dogs in there at the moment, though. Are I they am all in disappointed. here? I'm gravely disappointed. Are they here for the for the storm inside uh, this cabin? No, we we just don't have any dogs at the moment. I'm I'm very sorry. They would be useful, but no, no, okay. we simply don't have any dogs. You have a shed for dogs, but you decided to not have dogs. Let, we'll discuss it all over 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 a meal, shall we? Mm. You must be very hungry. You are indeed Certainly, quite hungry. Yes. Okay, so having finished barricading the 
cabin um, and having not gotten any straight answers out of John or Stuart about what they know and why they're barricading the cabin, they proceed to busy themselves as a means of distracting you from this line of inquiry. Uh, they proceed to busy themselves creating a small and rather sad meal. And in the end, you get a frugal repast of dried fish and warm tinned beans. Uh, they drag out the three chairs that were stuffed in the corner and array them in a semicircle around the gas stove. Uh, they are happy to sit on the floor, letting the five of you sit in actual chairs. Or should we supplement it with our own provisions so that we can mm. have a slightly heartier meal? And you know, we can share it with them just mm. to yeah, get that's them a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They welcome this in. Uh, unfortunately, the, your provisions are outside in the sled in the gear like oh. packs. Yeah. So we've just nailed them outside. <laughs> John and Stuart say, "Don't worry. They'll, they'll. I'm sure they'll. They'll weather out the storm, and we can pick them up in the morning." Mm. That's very embarrassing. <laughs> so tell us about these dogs. Uh, well, at this point, make perception checks again. Nine. Nine. Four. Six. Okay. Yep, that's fine. Uh, so you're <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy. Did I ever tell you I had a dog? <laughs> yeah, when I was a boy, he was my best friend. I called him Sebastian. I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> I wasn't very good at coming up with names. What type of dog was it, Sebastian? It was a collie. Oh, collies yes. are good dogs. They are good dogs. And I said, I always protect you, but there was one thing I couldn't protect him from. Big horse. <laughs> <laughs> Feel like I failed. Sebastian, just as I failed my friends. Dorothy, I, my friends, I think they were probably killed on that ship, weren't they? Sebastian, we don't know that. Mm, we can assume, though. Those were the last two men that I knew from the war. I sort of always thought of myself as a protector, but it seems that I haven't been particularly good at protecting anyone. Sebastian, I'm not sure any of us would still be alive without you. That's very kind of you to say, Dorothy. I smoke my pipe. Stuart looks over at you, Sebastian, and he says... So you were shipwrecked here, is that right? No, no, we got off the ship just fine. The ship, well, it looked like it might have been wrecked. Yes, we saw it in the distance. My God. Yes, it was our uh, our way home. So maybe we're wrong, as Dorothy says. Um, but probably not. My God, I'm very sorry to hear that, Sebastian. What were you here to do? Exactly. Well, uh, science. What, science? Well, we are scientists too. Oh, fantastic. What a coincidence. What sort of science do you gentlemen do? Meteorologists. Oh, of course, of course. What are you here to study specifically, gentlemen? Well, we're here to study the strange weather patterns that uh, trace their way across the South Pole. Military explorers have spent far too long trying to chart out the, the land and regions of this, of this continent. And it's time that we understood more clearly exactly what effect this, this vast expanse of ice has on the weather patterns that span across the entire globe. It's, it's fascinating, really. That's a noble goal. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So tell me about your science and the kind of science that you do. I study the science of the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and I smile at him knowingly. 
I take a swig of scotch. <laughs> yeah, John Salima started weeping very <laughs> Science of the spirit. Uh, yes. How fascinating. And, and yourself, young lady, he looks at you, Joy. I'm an anthropologist. The science the of... The science of anthropology. Yes. There's not many people in Antarctica. <laughs> Possibly the continent with the least people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're here. Ah, so you're studying the behaviour of, of those intrepid pioneering explorers and what, what kind of fine metal <laughs> and character must be in the in the psychological composition of, of heroes such as us. I or, nod vigorously. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a doctor, are you? A doctor of medicine, yes, sir. Ah, yes. And, and what are you here to study? Well, I'm here naturally to assist with this expedition. It's a, a dangerous undertaking, of course. Of course, of course. How interesting. And yourself, Mr. St. Battenberg? Uh, well, I'm the science of... Fists. <laughs> I hold on my fists. <laughs> ah, ah, yes, the the hired muscle, as they say, the goon. Ah, you're not wrong, <laughs> sir. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they begin filling their pipes as well, um, and at some point, uh, imperceptibly, the whiskey seems to have come to the middle of the circle now. Uh, and there's only two tumblers, but they're very happy to be sharing them around. Mm. Jean Slim continues weeping and John and uh, Stuart don't even really ask and <laughs> what's going on with him or why he was tied up when you brought him in. Um, they just kind of nervously glance over whenever his sobs begin to become a little bit too loud. Um, but about an hour into the meal, uh, things have started to die down a little bit. You've all had uh, a little bit of whiskey. They've smoked their pipes for quite a while and there's a nice mellowness that's kind of spread over uh, Jean Selim seems to have passed out. You can't really tell. But at this point, they kind of jerk their heads towards him and then look over to you, Sebastian, and say, what's what's the matter with that fellow? Yeah, poor Jean Selim. He's been through a lot, that one. Jean Selim? That's right, yes. An Arab, is he? Uh, I suppose. I never asked. Was he your porter? Was he... No, no. He's an equal amongst us. But he, uh, he took the whole thing a little harder than of us. Scientist too, or? A sailor. A sailor. Uh, of course, yes, yes. Well, well poor man, um, I'm, I'm sure a, a good night's rest will, will get him right as rain, eh? No doubt, no doubt at all. Uh, so you're almost beginning to feel comfortable now, and with the pleasant weight of food in your belly, uh, you can feel this spreading sense of warmth, and increasingly a soporific sense of satiation starts to uh, infuse you. Uh, John and Stuart have both begun refilling their pipes and your eyes begin to drift closed. Then a harsh pounding makes you start violently. Something that sounds like a fist is hammering into the outer wall of the station. John and Stuart both jump out of their chairs and instantly you can see that pistols have been whipped out of their coats. They're looking around nervously. Then they see you looking up at them with surprise and then they slowly put the guns back into their pockets. Are you expecting visitors? No, no, no. It must be uh, some sort of shard of ice or snow. Gentlemen, Did... don't put your guns away on our account. If there's danger, we want to know about it. No, no, I very much doubt there's, there's any danger. I mean, you were saying that 
You killed whoever was following you. Is that right, Sebastian? I assume so. There may have been more. No, I'm sure it's nothing. I'm sure it's nothing. It's simply, simply the storm. They look at each other again somewhat nervously and they say, well, the pounding seems to have stopped. Indeed, make perception checks. 11. 4. 16. 12. At Sebastian, it does sound like the pounding has stopped, but you can hear there's something almost creaking against it, almost as if there's something leaning against the side of the cabin outside. And then that sound also stops and you can't hear anything because the storm is extremely loud. Hmm. Let's, uh, let's put our plates away and, and retire for the night. It's sure it's nothing. Shouldn't we check? We can't see anything through the windows at all because it's all barricaded. Well, they're all barricaded, yeah. At this point, it can no longer escape your notice, having seen John and Stuart take out their pistols, that you do not have your weapons anymore. <sighs> if you had concealed weapons, you will still have those. Your rifles will have been taken away. I also have I a saw... concealed shovel, but I'm not really sure how I'm going to... You have concealed <laughs> shovel? I was thinking like a minute like to a one. <laughs> 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 <What>? <laughs> I still have my cane because we can't take that away. Yeah. cane away. I've got a knife. Well, that's all right. I've got a service pistol. Okay. Good. Okay. So. Yeah, it was in your breast pocket, was it? Yeah, it was only the rifle that I took out. Okay. Um, hmm. They took out rifles. That's not on. No, it's a little worrying. Although, I mean, maybe you know, we did come in with a gunshot wound and trying to escape from something. They did think we were criminals, so maybe if we just talk to them nicely, they'll give us it back, especially considering the situation. I shall go charm them! (laughs) John and Stuart are at the moment in the bedroom, and they are just coming back out um, as you finish talking. And they say, well, I suppose we should offer the bunks to the ladies. Uh, We're happy to sleep on the floor. I'm afraid they're not the cleanest beds, you know. uh, Just, just... Men living alone for long periods of time. We don't take personal cleanliness, perhaps as well. We didn't think we would be entertaining three three ladies. Let's say. Of course, you are very kind, sir. Um, have you seen any of our personal effects? We seem to have mislaid them. Uh, yes, yes. We we we, we, we taken them and stored them. They're in the dog shed. In fact, uh, we'll, we'll get them to you tomorrow morning. We just didn't want to have that many. Uh, guns inside the cabin, you know, I'm sure you understand. Not really, sir. You whipped out your pistols pretty quickly when somebody was hammering outside. Now you're telling us not only our food, but also our weapons are outside the cabin? A moment's panic, honestly. I'm sorry to have frightened you, dear lady, with the pistols. I'm sure I must have been quite a shock to see. Uh, but but I, I, I assure you we were not close to shooting anything or anyone. Somebody out there in the dark was shooting at us and... We want to make sure we're prepared and we don't know, we know as much as you do about who it was, but we'd appreciate it if you stopped taking our things. <laughs> well, um, I do apologise. I will take full responsibility for that. We will return your guns uh, to you in the morning. In the meanwhile, I assure you no harm will come to you. Uh, Stuart and I were both in the war. We are experienced. We will be able to keep you safe. I'm wondering if we should maybe encourage them to stay in their beds. Yeah. We just all want to stay in the same room together. Yeah. We'd sleep better. I would like to sleep next to the exit kind of thing, you know, like let's all just stay together and I don't really want to be in their stinky beds anyway. Yeah. There's only one exit, correct? Besides the windows, yes. Okay. So gentlemen, it was so, so kind of you to offer us your bunk beds. But actually, you know, as a as a doctor here, I would I'd really rather sleep in the same room as certainly as Sebastian, just in case his wound takes a turn for 
the infected overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's probably best, all things considered, if all of us stayed together in this room. It's just so nice and warm and cozy here as well. And you should sleep in your own beds. That seems like the right thing to do. Okay, make a persuasion check. Nine. Uh, yeah, they, they seem like they'd be more comfortable sleeping in their own beds anyways, and they don't want to expose the ladies to their horrifically smelly mm-hmm. beds either. Uh, so they say, well, yeah, if you're sure, absolutely. Uh, let's, let's get some, uh, some of our spare clothes maybe might form a, a bit of bedding for you and make you a little bit more comfortable. And they start bringing out some, uh, coats and, and, uh, trousers and blankets and things like that. Just various miscellaneous clothes. Uh, make perception check Dorothy, Joy, and Cornelia. Six. Ten. Ten. Joy and Dorothy, you notice that there seem to be quite a lot of clothes here for two people. And some of them seem to be in slightly smaller sizes than these two John and Stuart might have. Hmm. Sebastian, you didn't check because it wouldn't even occur to you. Nope, that's fine. <laughs> I think Dorothy and I just give each other a look. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. So uh, after setting up some bedding and putting the chairs to one side, John and Stuart seem very content to just retire to the bedroom and they wish you a very good night. Good night, ladies. Good night, night, Sebastian. Good night, Uh, And they look over at Jean Selim and then just kind of nervously turn away. And then they go back into the bedroom and close the door behind them. I say we root around a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially yeah. Yeah, sorry, I do want to look for any mention of either the names like Edward Dillon or Richard Bird, anything I can find around me in the meteorological charts. Also, there's the other room that has a closed door, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we should look in there just in yeah. case maybe there's dogs Absolutely. in there. It feels like, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we haven't actually wrapped that thread up. So. God, I hope so, Dorothy. Right? I hope so. be the best. So we'll be quiet but thorough. Mm-hmm. Okay, make investigation checks, everyone, for this room. And Dorothy, you're trying to go to the other room. Yes. Okay. Thirteen. Five. One. <laughs> Eighteen. Eighteen. <laughs> okay, uh, Sebastian Cornelia, you are focusing your search on the room that you are in. Uh, you can see, unfortunately, not very much. There's these meteorological charts on the floor. They have been written on. Uh, Sebastian, you do make out that there are more than two sets of handwriting on these charts. Uh, there seem to be at least, well, at least four, possibly five different people have written on these charts. What is on the charts is unintelligible to you. Meteorological insights, observations and recordings. Are there any dates on these? There are dates that lead up to today. You can't tell whose is whose, but all of them seem to be logging in up until just a few days ago. Take a look at this. As you showed to the others, Dorothy, you're trying to get into the side room. Uh, it is locked, unfortunately, um, but you don't take to that fact very well. You turn the knob uh, and it, it, you, you, you're sure that the door is just stuck. And so you start slamming it and trying to rattle it open. Um, and, and one of the others tries to shush you a little bit, but you're pretty sure that it's giving and it's just a little bit stuck. Uh, and at this point, John uh, opens the bedroom door and he looks out and he's in his bedclothes and he says, is everything all right? Uh, make a deception check, Dorothy, if you want to hide the fact that you were trying to get into the office. Yes, I was just, this is the privy, correct? Yeah. <laughs> Nine. He looks a little bit suspicious, but he buys it. He says, no, no, no. Uh, oh, 
gosh, this is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, usually we have a hole outside. Ah, We will undo the barricading tomorrow morning. In the meanwhile, uh, he goes back into the bedroom and he comes back out with a bucket. And he says, yes, uh, perhaps you could use this. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, That's kind of you. He's gone quite red with embarrassment. (laughs) uh, And this has overtaken any suspicion that he might previously have had. So he goes back into the bedroom and he says, well, well, good night, good night. <laughs> good night, sir. Good night. <sighs> yes, Dorothy, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what should we do? Do we all turn around or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely red as well. <laughs> Sebastian, she, she doesn't really need to go. It was a very oh, cunning ruse. Very good, Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ha-ha. Yes. Obviously, I knew. So let's get in that door. Sounded like it was locked, though, right? I could give a try at lock picking. Yeah, go yeah. for it, Joy. Do I do it at advantage if I have stealth and survival? Yeah, I'll let you do it at advantage because of stealth. Eight. Uh, unfortunately, no. You you tr- see if you can rattle the lock loose with a piece of card or anything like that, <laughs> but you can't find a way to open it. And there's still light coming from underneath. Yeah. Can I look through the keyhole? You can. Um, You look through the keyhole and you can see, very limited, you can see that there is a lantern on that's been left on inside. Uh, That's the source of light. You don't think there's anyone in there. Uh, You can see a lot of clutter. Would they leave a lamp on? And is it a gas lamp, like a flame? It's an oil lamp. That's yeah. dangerous. Is it a desk in there? or? Uh, yeah, you can see a desk and a bunch of just paraphernalia. Uh, you can see some papers some equipment, but you can't quite see much more than that. John and Stuart have begun snoring quite loudly now. You can hear both sets of snoring. So there's more than two sets of handwriting on these documents. Oh, yes. I think there might have been some other people here, but not anymore. How recently are the other sets? A couple of days? That's recent. Yeah. It's surprising they didn't tell us about it. But maybe they're on some sort of expedition inwards, or... I don't know, that seems unlikely. Maybe they've gone off with the dogs. Maybe they have. They'll yeah. be safe if they're with the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do still feel like there's somebody slumped outside the door, though. That's that's worrying me quite a lot. Maybe I could use my shovel to sort of wedge one of the barricades and we could look out just a little bit, just a peek. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah, okay. Uh, so make a stealth check advantage and also a strength check to prize it, but in a very controlled way. So that twice? Yeah. 19. Stealth check's fine, yeah. 16. Great, yeah, you managed to, with your your little shovel, (laughs) prise one of the nails out very gently, and then the second and the third, and then the plank slides off, and immediately the sound of the storm grows more intense, but not that much more intense. You can still hear the snoring uh, coming from John Stewart's room, so you feel pretty sure that you've done it without waking either of them up. Now you can see outside. Uh, unfortunately, you can see very little visibility. It's almost zero because it's the middle of the night and there's this blizzard going on. We can't see anything then. What if we just Knock. tapped on the window? Okay. Okay, so you start tapping in the window. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to cause any reaction from the outside. Uh, jean Celine looks up <laughs> from his torpor, panicked, and looks around and sees that whoever was tapping on the window... Uh, was it you, Sebastian? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he just kind of looks at you wide-eyed 
and then slowly lets himself sink back into slumber. And the rest of you, indeed, the rest of you start to feel increasingly tired yourselves. It's quite late at night now. Okay. Time for sleep then, perhaps. Okay. Shall we replace the the plank? Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to be able to hammer the plank? I mean, I suppose we don't want them to know. Can we screw them back in into the position? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can try to just like (laughs) slowly push them in, just thumb them back in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Make a stealth check. 15. 15. Yeah. You managed to do it. And do you want to arrange yourself to sleep now? We had a look. Nothing there. I think we can all rest easy. (laughs) (laughs) I position myself at the opposite end of the room to the ladies. Uh, You all drift into an uneasy slumber, but very quickly indeed. As the night wears on and the storm intensifies, your attempts to seek a fitful snatch of sleep from the night are frustrated by terrible dreams plaguing your rest. Visions of foxes, whales, and the hot, looming presence of massive black monoliths plague you, and every creak in the plank barricades caused by the wind outside makes you involuntarily start. Make perception checks, everyone. 14. 17. 12. 9. Joy, you are first to wake. Uh, You have been woken, in fact, by this sound that you begin to hear. It's a weak but rhythmic scraping sound. And you're quite sure that it's coming from somewhere near this cabin or within the cabin. You can't quite place where it is. And at first you thought it was just part of the snoring that still emanates from John and Stuart's room. But as you focus on it and you just lie staring up at the ceiling, trying to discern the, the source of the sound you're quite sure that it's coming from elsewhere, from almost the opposite direction of the room that John and Stuart are in. I feel like I want to see, I want to put my ear to the to the other door. Joy springs to her feet as softly as a cat and tiptoes towards the locked room, her short figure outlined by the seam of light still emanating from underneath the door. As she approaches, the strange scraping sound intensifies like a beckoning finger inviting Joy closer. Evidently, there is a mystery to be solved. This otherwise innocuous shelter is hiding a secret, and Joy's compulsion to expose it is as natural to her as her silent navigation through the shadows of the room. She leans forward, gingerly putting her ear against the door. The scratching gets louder. You've been listening to The Doom of Antarctica, written by Giorgio Mariani and produced and edited by David Knight and Tom Dalling, with music by Jonathan Day, starring Eleanor Kohler as Dorothy Taylor, Maximilian John as Cornelia Cavendish, David Knight as Sebastian St. Battenberg, and Charlie May as Joy Dutton Cavendish. I am Giorgio Mariani, Game Master. You can follow us on Twitter at The Infinite Bad and support the production of this series on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash definitely human. The Infinite Bad is a definitely human production.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.